Just in case our name Clit Talk wasn't a disclaimer enough, we wanted to let you know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience only. So if you have any little ones in the room, now is the time to maybe put some earmuffs on or escort them out. In this episode of Clit Talk, we have the ultimate guest to close out season one, the woman who inspired the entire fucking show, author of Pussy a Reclamation, Regina Thomas Shower. Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today. Yes. I'm talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk, talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Come on, girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow, bring your pussies to the show. Welcome to Clit Talk. The Pleasure Positive Podcast, where badass women discuss everything from orgasms to gender harmony to the health benefits of masturbation, the sex that you wish you got, and then some. This first season of Clit Talk is inspired by Regina Thomas Shower, creatrix of the School of Womanly Arts, leader of the Pleasure Revolution, and author of her New York Times bestselling book, Pussy, a Reclamation. In the beginning was the word. The word, my darlings, is pussy. And with this book, I intend to return that word to its rightful place as the highest of all possible compliments as a sacred living prayer. 24 episodes ago, when we began Clit Talk, we opened with this magical piece of writing from Regina Tomashara's book. And since then, Clit Talk has become our sacred living prayer. Every week in this studio, we have very brave very raw conversations so that women everywhere can more easily unlock their own authentic voice, especially when it comes to their pussy. And in this final episode of season one, we are so honored and so proud to have as our guest today, the one and only, the legend, the goddess, the pussy revolutionary herself, drumroll please, (laughs) Mama Gina. How great is this? This is such a beautiful moment for me. I am so honored to be here. Regina, your book was so powerful that we have collectively devoted thousands of hours creating this podcast, which, by the way, was completely uncharted territory for all of us. Can you share with us your very favorite story from the difference that you've made in people's lives around the world? Yeah, you know, there are so many stories that have come through this work. Uh, you know, in the over 20 years that I've been doing this, there's been so many marriages, divorces, babies born, new businesses started, sexual adventures, sensual adventures, uh, career changes, blowing the lid open off what's possible for a woman. Um, one of my favorites was uh, the story of uh, a young woman named Zoe. Now, and this is going back to my very first book signing of my very first book, The School of Womanly Arts. And it was in Miami. And this 15-year-old girl shows up at my book signing. And I'm like, girl, what are you doing here? You're only 15. Don't you know I say pussy in my book? And she's like, (laughs) (laughs) and she's like, yeah, you know, my mom brought me, um, And I said, why do you, why do you, are you reading this thing? And she said, because I go to high school and in high school, all of the girls in high school hate themselves. 
And your book was the first book that I ever heard the sound of a woman who loved herself. And so I got together a group of like six of my friends from, um, she was like a junior and we meet every week and we do all the exercises. And so uh, whatever, like that was really meaningful to me. And fast forward 10 years later, randomly, I was in uh, Miami again, delivering a, a workshop. And I happened to be talking about this young girl. And at the break, her mother was in the audience. This is 10 years later. Her mother's in the audience and she came up to me and she said, I'm the mother of Zoe. And I want to tell you about her last 10 years. And what happened was, you know, in reading that book, she and her girlfriends, you know, they just like became, they're just so awakened to their sensuality, their pleasure, their birthright, their sense of themselves. That when Zoe first started dating boys, she would actually be able to tell which guy was a good guy. Like she would say, you know what, mom, like he was so like, like clit positive. And that other guy, he just like, he had no attention on me, none. So she could like feel and discern, which so many young women have no ability to do. So when she had her first sensual and sexual experiences, it was spectacular because she knew her pussy knew how to pick a great guy. So her, her sensual life unfolded in a way that was so her, so alive, so awakened, so true to her nature. And then she ended up uh, pursuing a career in dance and she's teaching uh, seminars for awakening young women. So like, it was just this whole legacy of what happens, how a, a young woman steps into her sensual power, her sexual power, her leadership, her knowing herself, her owning herself in a, in a brand new way. So th that story thrilled me. I, I had another woman on the other end of the age scale, uh, a, a woman named Io, and she had been a single parent and she uh, shut down her sexuality and just raised her kid. And at age 65, she crossed the door, the threshold of the School of Womanly Arts. And in her work there, she decided, you know, before she's, uh, you know, laid in the ground, she wants to have a romance. She wants to experience love. But this is a woman that had never dated, right? And so on her very first forays into the dating world, uh, I had her take a, a girlfriend with her because she was afraid to go out with a guy by herself. So on Match.com, she would say, oh, you're going to take the two of us out on a date. And extraordinary, but guys are so sweet. They, they did. Like, they would take her and her friend. And eventually, after six months or a year of dating, random guys, she met a man, and she is now engaged to be married at age 70. Like... <laughs> Like, how cool is that? Like, she did that. Like, she turned her pussy on and had an entire, you've got to relive the legend of her life. Because she was, a, you know, a single mom that was a child of a single mom, who was a child of a single mom, and so on. Um, I, on and on a completely other extreme, pussy doesn't just, uh, you know, create leadership and sensuality and romance. 
it also navigates through the darkness. And about two years ago, inside my community, which is um, you know now thousands of women strong, uh, a, a woman had an unbelievable and unbearable tragedy. She she lives in uh, in Virginia, and she had just moved into her brand new house. And her first night in the new house, there was a, a fire. And she lost her two sons, her two young sons. Uh, she and her husband lost their two young sons. Now, this is a, 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 a tragedy that's really insurmountable. How does a parent go on? How do you live another day? How can you endure a loss of that gravity? And uh, fortunately, she was surrounded by about um, maybe 50 women in her town that had been to the School of Womanly Arts. And at the school, we teach women how to embody every side of their experience from their darkness to their light. And there's a practice called swamping where you actually can physically grieve. My graduates are women that know how to hit their knees and wail and mourn. And they do not stop until it's done, no matter how long it takes these are women who know how to bring ritual inside their lives. These are women who know how to show the fuck up for one another. They are women who stand for one another. So she was has been surrounded by this community. So when she could not breathe, they would breathe for her. She also found herself at one point going on a retreat uh, where she was writing about this experience and self-pleasuring, sometimes one, two three times a day to kind of reconnect with that life force, that sensual fire that is every woman's uh, creation, the, the force of life itself. And not knowing quite what she was doing, but writing and connecting with her body and dancing and moving and being surrounded by sisterhood. And three months ago, she and her husband uh, had a little girl. Uh, which is an unbelievable thing to have been able to make it through, not make it through because this tragedy surrounds her every day of her life and surrounds all of us who know and love her. But the fact that she could take a step forward and stay in connection with her partner. And she named her baby Trinity, which is um, uh, in the book I talk about um, a practice called uh, a daily practice called a Holy Trinity, where every day you brag, you do a gratitude and you do a desire as a way of centering yourself in the privilege of being alive. And so this, she considers this baby, her biggest brag, her biggest gratitude and her biggest desire to be able to uh, have lived to see this moment of creation of this new life. So I could go on. <laughs> they're moving us. Like they're very moving. There's, there's in the studio. It's just, it's so amazing. It's, it's so amazing. It's so amazing. This, you know, women standing for women in the full throttle spectrum of every drop of who we are from our darkness to our light. And, and understanding and knowing how to do that, it's, it's an extraordinary reclamation. 
Yeah, we've been practicing the Holy Trinity from that chapter, and it's really helped all of us as well. I'm so glad. You're so smart. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, we actually devoted an entire episode to it because we were so moved by its power. And what I get from everything you shared, Regina, is that you, your work in this world, your service to the world has really been transforming generations. And you're getting started with everyone who's on the planet now and even ones who are just coming in. So, um, yeah, it's, it's absolutely extraordinary, the impact of your work. Thank you. Yeah. More to come, so, ladies. More to come. <laughs> so, so Pussy came out before Tarana Burke's Me Too movement was reignited across social media platforms, or it might have even included a chapter on it. From your perspective, what do you think comes next for women? What comes after Me Too for all of us as a collective? I love the Me Too movement. It is so right on. It's... Um, and the impact can be seen on the daily. Women giving courage to other women to step forward with their tales of abuse. Uh, it, it, and, and what's happening every day, uh, there's a new woman coming forward with extremely relevant information about the leaders in our country that have been inappropriate, done them wrong, broken the law. Uh, taken them down. And finally, women are have the courage to do that. The first step out of rupture is transparency, being able to tell your story. And every time a woman tells her story, it makes space for another woman to come forward and tell her story of abuse. But, or maybe it's and, and and but, that can't be the place we stop. Mm-hmm. That is not the end game. We're in process now. We are evolving at a more rapid rate than women have ever evolved uh, his- historically. And it, it can't be the end game. Why? Because it creates a false gender divide that casts men and women eternally in the roles of adversaries, with men as the victimizers and women as the victims. Mm-hmm. So... It's not a question of forgiving and forgetting. That would be wrong. It's a question of how do we power up? And the answer is pussy. But the first step is it requires a community of sisters to hold each one of these women, to witness her story to hear her, to grieve with her, and to support her in turning to pleasure and reconnecting to her power source. She has to reclaim and own that part of herself that the culture shames for her. Women can hold space for women to reconnect to that energy of creation. And then the next step, she has to own her pussy. Why? Because a woman who owns her pussy, owns her life. And that's the way it cuts. If you don't own your pussy, you don't own your life. And that is the story. It does not matter how many degrees from Harvard you have. It does not matter how successful you are at your job or how much money you have in the bank. 
You do not own your pussy. You do not own your life. And I, I have been preoccupied by this question of why, why do we as women seem to have this l- uh, limited ability to access our power and our voice? And nothing that we do seems to be able to resolve this. And, you know, if you look around the world of women, it seems as if our lights are off. We are literally turned off like a light switch. Why? Because we've been taught to turn off. We've been taught to turn off our life force. We've been taught to turn off our feelings. We've been taught to turn off our sensuality. And as a consequence, we turn off our power. And right now we live in this world that can't even comprehend its own inherent bigotry against women. And therefore it can't step forward to honor or support women and girls who've been devastated by it. So how do we as women, not just weather this patriarchal world culture, but how do we triumph over this global denial of our experience? And how do we create a new pathway so a woman can remake herself? And how do we turn on when we've been systematically denied or passed over or subjugated? Like, how does a victim become a heroine of her own storyline? And the solution for this epidemic sense of powerlessness amongst women is very simple. And yet it's almost impossible to hear. And yet all of you heard. It's reconnecting a woman to her pussy. And just as pussy is the source of all human life, Pussy's the source of every single woman's connection to her own life force, her own voice, her sense of internal power. When she turns on her pussy, she is actually connecting to her divinity and just powering up her life force and taking the fuck over. She is re-embodying herself and standing in a whole different paradigm. So the next step for me too is for women to become embodied, women to connect with their sensual brilliance, their sensual fire, their sensual power, their inherent radiance. And this is a pathway that doesn't depend on anything or anyone outside of ourselves, but rather it places the power firmly in my hands, in your hands, in every woman and girl's hands. And when a woman is able to connect with that sensual fire, that fierceness, to to be able to turn on her own light, then she can live her own destiny and she sets right everything that's wrong in our world because she is willing to stand and speak her truth and say yes when she means yes and no when she means no. But the first step is the most crucial. She has to get right with her pussy. In fact, she has to do the courageous work of turning on the most disparaged, maligned, and unknown part of herself. And that ain't easy, sisters, as you know. (laughs) So, you know, I'm going to just yammer on unless you stop me. (laughs) We are literally so blown away by what you're saying. There's so much excitement in the room. And we totally don't want to interrupt you because you're so brilliant. This is the the awesome thing. Like, as I was doing all this research and kind of, you know, finding my way and writing these courses and the books and so forth, I started to, uh, I I found evidence in all of these ancient goddess traditions of legends where uh, 
pussies were the awakeners, the culture awakeners. You know, I, I'd studied Greek mythology in junior high. Uh, I, you know, the goddess Demeter, who, uh, who da- the, her daughter Persephone was uh, stolen by Hades and she was missing and Demeter thought she was dead. And uh, and anyway, was, uh, what what I didn't know, what was left out of my education was, um, you know, when Persephone had ab- abducted Hades, and uh, Zeus, who was uh, uh, um, the the father of Persephone and the husband of uh, D- Demeter, um, Zeus had betrayed his daughter and his wife by giving his daughter to Hades. And Demeter was so hurt by this that she wandered the earth in a state of deep depression and grief. And since she was the goddess of fertility and harvest, when she was in a grief, she withdrew her light and the earth was slowly dying because she was in mourning. But Demeter did not care. She just wanted to be immortal and grieve. And so she wandered around uh, looking for her daughter. And she actually was so angry and hurt that she swore that the earth would become barren until her daughter was returned to her. And so she went to Eleusis and... um it was known that she was this goddess somehow by another goddess. So when she was uh, visiting a family for a meal, a goddess named Balbo pretended to be the maid. She got into the house and she got Demeter to smile by first telling her risque jokes. And then Balbo, the goddess Balbo, lifted her skirts and actually flashed her pussy at Demeter. And Demeter broke into laughter. And with this laughter at this just amazing scene of being having this pussy flash in front of her, she was enlightened and she returned light and life to the planet. She became a goddess again. And then she demanded that Zeus deliver her daughter from Hades. And Persephone was able to return for six months a year, uh, which is why we have six months of winter and six months of nice weather. And for over 2,000 years, this moment of enlightenment was celebrated uh, by, you know, in there was a pilgrimage from Athens to Eleusis, and this initiation was uh, practiced. And it was said that once people had completed this initiation, they no longer had a fear of death. They knew their own immortality and divinity. So, I, I, and then I, I further, I, I found the feminist historian Ryan Eisler, and she describes how our Neolithic and Paleolithic ancestors imagined a woman's body and pussy as a magical vessel because it bleeds with the moon, it creates life, it produces milk to feed the offspring, uh, not to mention the way a woman's body can cause a male sexual organ to rise and she, her ability to give and receive pleasure. So, um, it was also believed that if you flash your pussy at the devil, it would frighten him and, and he would run away. Uh, <laughs> I believe it. A, a, I believe Ancient that. Egyptian <laughs> women flashed their pussies at the fields to frighten away the evil spirits. And they would say, may these crops grow as high as my pussy. And a whole circle of women would flash <laughs> their pussies to the crops in order to inspire the, the crops to grow. So it, it, this, it was like pussy was known as the life force, the life giver, the life restorer for thousands and thousands of years before the patriarchy. 
Mama Gina, we know the power of pussy flashing because we had an episode on it and we all did it to each other in the studio and it was so joyful. But you know what I love about what you're talking about? Because uh, I'm the mama on the show. I have two grown daughters. And, you know, the thing that inspired me the most about your book, it was the chapter on the uh, pleasure revolution where you said, I will do anything in my power to ease her tears and make her life good. You remember that when you're talking about Maggie? Yeah, this is the tricky bit. You know, there's, there is nothing sexy about motherhood, Uh, especially the way we do it in this culture. You know, let's say if we were talking, you know, generations ago, it was a community affair where you, you know, you raise your kid in a tribe. And when you were like done, you could pass her over to an auntie or grandma or a neighbor and, and get a little relief and like air out and feel yourself. And uh, the trick uh, today is to look at how can we replicate community? How can we replicate extended family? How can we replicate that level of sisterhood within our own lives so that, you know, um, Hillary Clinton said it takes a village to raise a child. How can we each create a village so that we've got one to raise our kid inside? Because parenting is not a solo activity. It is not something that any of us should have to do on our own. Because it's, it's it, you know, everything is more pleasurable when sisters are involved. And I think another thing that happens when you're a mom is you become extremely intelligent about the way you spend your time. And uh, extremely, for me, I had to like drive a wedge in, uh, let's say, the demands of my daughter, which are limitless and endless, and rightly so, uh, and insist on taking time for myself uh, that was that would serve and sustain me. So, you know, I, I can remember when she's really little, I, I decided, uh, and I was getting my divorce when she was about seven, and so I would go to ballroom dancing class every week, and she would have to sit and be bored while mommy danced. <laughs> because <laughs> mommy's got to dance, you know, or else it's not going to be happy at home. So, you know, it's like finding ways to stand for yourself where you can also, you know, because it, it, it's, you know, if the mama ain't happy, no one's happy. And the trick is to love yourself enough to know that your happiness is important, even when there are so many priorities that have your name on it. That's absolutely right. I I love what you're saying about how you found your way to pleasure, to what pleasured you and brought you back into that and kept you connected to that as you've been raising your daughter. And just speaking to pleasure, one of the things that tickled us most about your book was your story about unlocking the massive extended orgasm. Can you Please break down for our audience what a massive extended orgasm is and what it has opened up for you in your life. Yeah, um, it's it's a very impressive series of words, isn't it? You know, uh, extended, massive, orgasm. It's so massive, that word. It's just... 
<laughs> and can be a little, you know, overwhelming, kind of scary. Um, I, I think it's a, like I would say, uh, what I learned to do was uh, feel as a woman feels. Uh, you know, women learn to compromise before we learn to come. Yeah, that's Shit. unfortunate, but true. Will you say that one more time, Regina? <laughs> yes. As women, we learn to compromise before we learn to come. Sometimes we never learn how to come. <laughs> we just compromise. Yeah, we just, we are so good at compromising. Like we are unbelievable at it. We will compromise ourselves. We will compromise ourselves over and over. We will diminish ourselves. We will dial ourselves down on behalf of others. And we never, ever really even understand the possibility and the potential for experiencing our own wingspan, our own expansiveness, the beauty and the brilliance of our design, because we've been taught that compromise is a priority. And, and that fitting in and playing small and living inside the rules and walls of a patriarchal culture are what we're supposed to do. And so I was uh, definitely, um, you know, a roadkill of the patriarchal world culture. I was at a point where I was at my lowest. I was essentially, uh, this was in my 20s, I was essentially a hermit. Uh, I was studying ancient goddess traditions. I was on my spiritual search in a world that had no place or space for women. Um, I had researched so many different churches and synagogues looking for some kind of form of sacred feminine. I uh, was looking, you know, researching different authors and I, I wasn't finding her or myself. And when I was, uh, I was taking an acting class and I met, a, I met some women who had this body knowing that I knew I didn't have. They were lit up in ways that I wasn't lit up. And they had told me about a class that they were taking given by a school called, it was Moore University. And so uh, I took an introduction, an introductory class with them. And uh, through uh, an experience in a series of exercises uh, that were, you know, where it was an opportunity to put attention on myself. They, they said they gave you an exercise where you would set up your space with flowers and candles and your favorite foods, have a bath, uh, and give yourself the treatment that you might give an honored guest. And then they took you through a series of self-pleasure exercises. And each of the, this was done, uh, uh, you know, by, uh, everybody went home and did this alone. And so when I first did this exercise, just the act of tuning into what pleasured me, where was my joy? How could I take pleasure from this human body that was mine? And it was the first time that I actually connected to the experience of the divine feminine that I had been longing for. And the goddess that I had been looking for on the outer, I found inside of myself. So it was a, a huge portal. And I eventually pursued more classes uh, at this uh school. It was an amazing place. 
And I ended up taking a class called the expansion of sexual potential, where I learned the, the preliminary teachings for how to have an extended massive orgasm. And I spent years in practice of learning how to come, you know, I, I will, I will donate my body to science on behalf of my students the world over. <laughs> Thank you for your service. So and I, and I, you know, like I, I learned how to come and how to feel and how to unlock my, the whole range of sensation from the lightest touch to the most intense, profound experience. I learned how to feel with every cell of my being. And I, and eventually I, I studied with uh, doctors Vera and Steve Badansky and became certified in demonstrating an extended massive orgasm. And I used to teach that course where I would, uh, I would literally come for an hour. In, <laughs> um, and I, and I learned how to take myself higher with every stroke, how to reach an orgasmic state, even before being touched. And this level of investing in my orgasm, my pleasure, I went from being very lonely and very lost to being an unstoppable force of nature uh, where I, you know, I, I created the School of Woman the Arts from a handful of women in my living room. And now I teach classes at the Javits Center to thousands of women. So it was like the, the power source that unlocked me uh, was investing in, in my pleasure. And, and there's a, a huge amount of science to, you know, to back the research. Um, you know, uh, Dr. Christian Northrup, who wrote the intro, the foreword to my book, uh, she taught me that uh, that uh, the reason for this huge response where a woman is able to really power up to that degree has to do with the production of massive amounts of a gas called nitric oxide, which is produced by the endolethial lining of blood vessels during states of joy and pleasure and ecstasy. And nitric, nitric oxide, which is a neurotransmitter that balances all the others like dopamine and serotonin and beta endorphin. Um, and actually, those are the same neurotransmitters that so many women try to balance with psych meds like Prozac or Paxil. We, as women, have the ability to create, to turn on these neurotransmitters, to um, produce all of this incredible physical consequence in our own cells through pleasure. And it's a transformative device. Like if, if, if there was something called the opposite of depression, which might be radiance, you, you can actually create radiance in your body through understanding how to put your key in your own ignition, turn that baby on and take her down the highway. Because we all have these 8,000 nerve endings dedicated to pleasure that very few of us access and, uh, and, and really use as uh, a power source in our own lives. 
Wow, that is so amazing. All of our jaws just dropped in here. This is Lindsay. So a moment ago, you briefly mentioned the School of Womanly Arts, which you founded in New York City. You have partnered with a team of absolute badass women to run your operation for the last 25 years. And we here at ClitTuck are just beginning our fempire, if you will. We want to know what advice do you have for women, people, anyone really looking to work effectively with super powerful, super smart, super opinionated women? Yeah, I, I think, it, first of all, it's so wonderful that you're doing it. It's so fantastic because the future is sisterhood. There is no other way. And we want to encourage all of that brilliance, all of that power, all of that sensuality, all of that outrageousness, that creativity, that badassery, and make room for all of it inside of your company and take each other higher. And I would say my quick answer is take mastery with me. Come to the School of Womanly Arts. Like, let's do this. There's a weekend in December, December, the first weekend of December, that's an intro weekend. And then the actual mastery program is in the spring. Um, you know, in, in real life, inside the patriarchal world culture, we learn the tools of patriarchy and not the feminine. And as Audre Lorde says, you can't take down the master's house with the master's tools. You need to use and learn the tools of the feminine. So, uh, you know, and you, you can get so much of this just from reading my book. Like, for example, if you started every single meeting that you have with a dance break and then everyone goes around and does a holy trinity, uh, every time, you know, you have like a, there's some kind of tension between two of you, you could do swamping, which is an embodying movement uh, that we use at the school when you have a, a lot of excess anger or frustration. Um, or you can use spring cleaning, which is a, a communication exercise that reduces charge. Because what we do at Mastery and in my book is that I teach women how to communicate with each other and how to handle charge. Because most of us don't have a lot of training in that. We think our charge is real. Like when I, you know, when I get mad at my kid or my boyfriend, I think something is really wrong with them. And really, it's my, it's my charge. So uh, these tools are worth years of private therapy, and it's better than any traditional leadership coaching course. Uh, every woman on my team takes mastery, uh, you know, either before she works with me or while she's working with me. So. Wow, that's really interesting. So when you're in the middle of operating your business and you're in the middle of the rage of it all, how do you take a moment or a pause and actually implement these practices? Usually when you're in, you know, when your head is up your ass, there's always at least somebody in the room who's not insane at the time. So let's say when I'm a raging maniac, you know, someone will turn to me and say, yo, have you ever thought about spring cleaning or, you know, wh what kind of song do you want to swamp to right now? Because you are deep in, sister. And, you know, we keep each other sane that way. That's amazing. So you mentioned that we can come and take the mastery course with you as well. And definitely for all of our listeners, would you mind telling us a little bit more about that and how long the course is? Yeah. Uh, first of all, if you want to come uh, and have just like a little dip your toe in. 
There's a weekend in December in New York City. And if you go to womanlyartsmastery.com slash experience, you can uh, get all the information about that weekend. And oh my goodness, even if you never take mastery, that weekend is so powerful. It's so incredible. You will get so many tools because basically, you know, I, I don't lecture. The The thing it, that happens at these weekends is you learn tools, you learn technology, you have uh, experiences. There's so much dancing. There's a full range of embodiment all emotions. There are exercises. There's connection with other women. It's kind of, it's, it's learning how to really woman up in, in a very powerful way so that you can live your life full throttle and use a wingspan that you didn't even know you had, which is only made possible through sisterhood. It, it's a gift that women provide other women. And it's palpable. You can feel it as soon as you set foot in the room. So I love everything that you said about sisterhood. And that's something that we've definitely experienced through this last year working on Clit Talk together. Um, and I can speak for myself that I'm en endlessly grateful for this group of women and for your inspiration. So what I want to know, what what is your long-term vision for the state of women in the world? Uh, I think my vision for women is sisterhood sisterhood where uh, every time I walk down the street, I see sister in the eyes of every woman I encounter, and she sees sister in mine. For women to stand powerfully in their turn on, to not ever dim their light, but to expand their light, where, uh, because actually, I need you to be powerful. I need you to be as big and blazing, as powerful as you can possibly be. Why? Because the more powerful you are, that it allows room for me to power up and step into your light. And then when I power up and step into more of my radiance and my light, I give an opportunity for you, for every woman to step more powerfully into hers so that our, uh, this through sisterhood, our power grows exponentially. So I require that of every woman who is listening to this podcast. You may not turn your light down. You may only turn it up. Why? Because the world needs you. It needs that beautiful, brilliant, unique, glorious, turned on, hot, delicious, radiant you to make space for every other woman and every other girl, the women of today and the girls of tomorrow, so that we have a whole new future to step into. Yes. 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 Thank you. It's amazing. Regina, since the very beginning of this podcast, we envisioned that you would be our final guest of season one. And we just wanted to thank you so much for making this dream come true for us. This book actually arrived in um, our lives as a gift. Eve gave Sugar her um, the book at her bachelorette party to enlighten her journey of marriage. And, um, and this past Christmas, I gave it to every single member of my family. And it's just the kind of book that is the ultimate gift for any woman of any age and background. And for those of you listening, if you haven't read the book, order it immediately. And 
And if you want to change the lives of women you love, this is it. And Regina, we really can't thank you enough for everything it took to birth this book and this movement. And we are so very honored to be singing in the choir with you. So thank you. Yay. Thank you so much for doing the work you're doing in the world and being willing to say yes to the truth about women and the truth about your power. It is so glorious. And I thank you so much for having me. Um, So we're going to do a pussy exercise. Why not? Right. Uh, and I want to say that when I, we use the word pussy, I'm talking about putty, pussy in the literal sense, but I'm also talking about uh, pussy as a metaphor, pussy as a way of walking, a way of being, a way of standing in your power, in your confidence, pussy as a way of making your way in the world in full possession of your feminine power, pussy as a way of tapping into your own unique truth and your own unique desires. And women who come to me very often tell me that they have problems of indecision. And, uh, and, and part of that is because we aren't rooted and we aren't grounded in the depth and breadth of our embodied truth. So uh, a pussy is a really useful way to connect with your truth, almost like, um, you know, uh, a, a pipeline to your higher power. You can kind of feel into, you know, if, if you put your pussy on it, it's kind of a way of tapping into your deepest intuition. Now, you can't just do this in your head. Think, hmm, what would my head think? What would my pussy think, head? Head has no idea. So you, you actually have to take your hand right now if you're a righty, use your right hand. If you're a lefty, use your left hand. And you're going to think about, you know, I don't know. It could be, what do I want for dinner tonight? It could be, do I really want to go out with that gal or that guy? It could be, uh, do I want to apply for that job? Do I want to take that job? Do I want to uh, move? Do I want to stay where I am? You know, should I take that class that I was thinking about taking? You know, you can, you can think of any, any question that you have and what you're going to do is you can put your hand right on your pussy. Okay. Is it there? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Right there. And, and you have to, and, and you're not gripping, right? You're just kind of letting it rest there. And you're, and, and can you feel a little sense of just aliveness, just a little flutter of aliveness? Yeah. Okay. Now. You're going to ask your pussy oracle, whatever question, you know, uh, like, should I go out to dinner tonight or should I stay home? Or maybe it's a bigger one. Should I stay with my husband or should I get a divorce? Uh, you know, whatever, because your pussy knows everything. And when, what, what's going to happen is as you give your pussy a little chance to consider and respond, because you'll give her longer than I just did, you're going to feel a slight sense of lightness when it's the direction that she has in mind for you. Now, very often the direction that your pussy has in mind for you is counter to what your ego says. You know, uh, for example, you have a job offer and uh, it's exactly the right job. It would look great on your resume, but you walk in and your pussy is screaming, do not take this job. This will kill me. (laughs) So what you want to do is to be able to discern her whisper 
Because if you begin to listen to her whisper, then she'll begin to turn up the volume. And then she will begin to not just whisper in your ear, but actually tap you on the shoulder and guide you more and more deeply into your truth. But it has to start with literally every time you are faced with a decision, place your hand lightly on your pussy and ask her to weigh in and she will lead you to your dreams. Hi, Regina, it's Lindsay. So at the end of every episode, most of the time it's pretty silly. I listen to, so I'm a singer and I listen to my pussy and I make up a song. So today I'm going to do a song called Pussy for you. I'm just going to make it up right now from the bottom of my pussy. (laughs) All right, here we go. Pussy, pussy, we thank you, we thank you. Pussy, a reclamation. I said, pussy, a reclamation. Oh, thank you, my pussy. (laughs) Amazing. That was so gorgeous. There's like all these tears. Oh my god, you made us all cry. All cry. It wasn't me, it was my pussy. (laughs) Your pussy is you, girl. All right. Pussy on, sisters. All right. Pussy. 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 Amazing. Thank you, magnificent, gorgeous, sexy as fuck, Clitorati, for listening to all of our outrageous episodes in our very first season of Clit Talk. We were asking you to celebrate this momentous occasion by sharing the shit out of this show with every human you know, because it's that good. The link on our Instagram at Clit Talk Show. You can also share your thoughts about this episode or any episode in the comments on our blog at www.clittalkshow.com. We love you, Clitorati. And guess what? We're going to see you next Tuesday.